Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome everybody into a special edition of the PHNX Suns podcast. I'm your host, Greg Esposito, all by my lonesome today. The, I let my co-hosts have the afternoon off, but I wanted to bring in an old friend, a, a guy that I've known for a long time, uh, Dr. Adam Anacone. Uh, glad to have him here. He is the clinical assistant professor, of master's of athletic training at the University of Texas Arlington, also a licensed athletic trainer, corrective exercise specialist, and also spent three seasons as the performance and recovery specialist and assistant athletic trainer with the Phoenix Suns. Adam, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, look, uh, Adam, when when I hear about something going on when it comes to injuries or or anything in that in that field, you're the first guy I usually think of. So I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, last night, Suns Pelicans game two here in Phoenix. Unfortunately, Devin Booker having a big game winds up having to go out with a hamstring issue. Now I know uh, we can't talk specifics when it comes to Devin, but I wanted to understand more about hamstrings. Uh, what what happens when there's an injury like this and kind of recovery? So let's start with when what causes a hamstring injury in a lot of cases? What what is usually the culprit as to why that area becomes a problem area for an athlete? Yeah, so the majority of hamstring injuries occur from what we call non-contact injuries. So there's no other contact with another player, another athlete. Um, and it typically occurs either when an athlete is running high speed or um, some sort of movement that is putting that hamstring on stretch. So dancers are prone to hamstring injuries because as they're bringing their leg up, their leg is straight. You're elongating that muscle. And if you go too far, that's when you can damage that tissue. Um, so it's, it's really any type of injury to the hamstring muscle. And it's important to note that the hamstring group is made up of three muscles and not to get really technical here, but, um, the bicep femoris, the semi-tendinosis, semi-membranosis. So it's a group of three muscles and all three muscles may get injured or individual muscles may get injured. Um, when we think of a hamstring strain. Does it tend to happen when a, a player is fatigued or, or a person, uh, you mentioned dancers as well, a person is, is fatigued? Can that, uh, it, does that have any impact or is this just something that happens due to that acceleration and stopping or what, what exactly is the culprit in a lot of cases? 
Yeah, uh, certainly um, we see a lot of injuries that take place uh, when individuals are fatigued. Um, but any type of insidious type of movement can cause a uh, hamstring strain as well or muscle strain. Um, the way I like to think of the body is related to a car. And the muscles really have two actions. They have a immediate action or primary action to cause movement, right? So hamstrings will actually cause your knee to flex. But then there are also the brakes for your body as well. So as you're bringing your knee out, extending your leg, your hamstring's actually firing to slow that motion. So if you think of a car and the brakes, if you apply the brakes with a little bit of pressure, the wheels are still going to turn, right? But it slows the car down. So our muscles have two functions. The primary function is to cause the primary movement, but then it also is responsible for slowing our bodies down. And if an individual is fatigued, that braking system could certainly be impacted. So it's either an insidious type injury where the muscle is elongated too far past the point that it can withstand, or if they're in a fatigued state, you apply those brakes, those brakes can't really handle the load and it just gets out on you. You you bring up that it's a grouping of three muscles. Is there a particular muscle that is is more, I won't say dangerous, but worse to, to injure in that? Or is it all kind of work in concert? So there has been some studies that looked at uh, the various muscles, the three muscles, and when they're more susceptible to being injured. Uh, I can say that the bicep femoris muscle, so it's the muscle on more of the outside part of the thigh, that muscle seems to be injured more during high-speed running. So when when you look at this, what when an, when a hamstring injury happens, uh, is it is it more likely that it occurs again, or is this something that uh, you know over time heals and there's no long term effect when it comes to hamstring injuries? Yeah. So what we do know from um, from literature is about a third of hamstring injuries are susceptible to reoccurring or rehappening within the first two weeks of returning to sport after a, after a hamstring injury. So that two week period is really critical. And I think that places a lot of, um, a lot of pressure on sports medicine staffs and performance staffs to ensure that they're checking all the boxes and um, returning an athlete to play when they're able to return to play and not rushing the process. Because um, from what we've seen with literature is if it's, if it's rushed, then there's a, a increase in the susceptibility of re-injuring that hamstring. What it's, so is that you, you bring up two weeks if within that frame, is that usually the timetable for healing or is that just, if you rush back within that time, uh, a re-injury is more likely? Yeah, so the recovery time of a strain to the hamstring is um, certainly uh, variable. It depends on the severity of the injury. Um, it depends on the individual. Each individual responds differently, and our bodies heal differently. Um, so the recovery time is is really hard to narrow down. I can tell you if it's a minor or mild type uh, uh, strain or injury of that hamstring, you're looking one to two weeks. Um, if it's something more severe, then obviously you're looking a, a longer time frame. 
Um, but that first two-week return to play is if it's a mild injury and say the athlete is out for a week, um, from the time they return to sports for about two weeks, that's when we see the highest incident of re-injury rate. Okay. So take me inside the room. You've been uh, in there well, when you were with with the Suns. What is what is a rehab look like on a hamstring? What kind of things uh, can you do and, and are likely to be done in the case of a hamstring injury? Or is it does it vary based on the individual athlete too much to say anything specific? No, I, I think we have our, our certain protocols um, that we want to follow. Um, and that's textbook 101's rehabilitation process that we learn back in, in our education programs and what I teach our students now. So we have a protocol and kind of a, a guideline that's in place based on uh, different phases of healing and how long it takes tissue to to heal and um, things like that. But the the really unique part, and as I brought up before, each individual responds differently. So it is a day-by-day type of process to where we are responding and we are creating and crafting the rehab program based on the feedback that the athlete is giving us and based on the feedback that we see from any diagnostic imaging or any other type of clinical assessment that we implement within our practices. We're taking all that data we're taking the data, as I said, from the from the athlete. That's that's the biggest component, biggest feedback that we get. And we're making modifications to our rehab program based on that information, all within kind of a broader, I guess, plan of what a, a rehab program should look like. Um, a comprehensive rehab program, uh, just talking about that a little bit, will not only include focusing on promoting things to help the tissue heal, but it's looking at the entire kinetic chain. So when we talk about the kinetic chain, we know that the body works not as individual pieces, but as a sum of its whole. And so um, this is a prime time where we're looking at uh, flexibility, strength, range of motion, um, stabilization from the toes all the way up to the, the head. Right. So it's a good checkpoint for us to identify any type of deficits while we're also trying to promote really good healing of that hamstring tissue. Um, So I would assume that um, any type of uh, uh, sports medicine professional out uh, sports medicine professional out there will incorporate not only core exercises, range of motion exercises, strength exercises, stability exercises um, within their rehab program, but they'll also um, adjust those protocols based on the feedback that they're getting from the athlete. So somebody listening probably is wondering, you, you say deficits. When you're, when you're talking about that in terms of, uh, of the athlete, I assume the deficit for somebody like myself is much different than, than a professional athlete. There's got to be uh, a, a small window that these deficits happen. Is, is that true? Is it, uh, are you looking at very minor things that you try to adjust when it's a deficit with an athlete as opposed to an everyday person? Yeah, yeah. There is some truth to that. I mean, an individual like myself who um, it unfortunately has resorted to a more sedentary lifestyle, graving papers and things like that. My flexibility and my ability to um, to have fluid motion has probably decreased compared to somebody uh, or an elite level basketball player like Devin Booker. 
himself. Um, so working with individuals at that level, it's more of the fine tuning of the uh, of the program and and looking at deficits. I mean, I'll throw out an example there. Um, looking at range of motion and. For someone like myself, who isn't very mobile now, my flexibility and my range of motion compared to the norms for someone my age and across the spectrum may be really low. Someone like an elite level athlete, they're within the range of motion um, guidelines, but they may be one or two degrees off uh, compared to their other limb. They may be one or two degrees off compared to other elite athletes out there. And so we're not talking about big deficits. It's really just honing in and fine tuning um, any uh, type of strength or range of motion deficits that we're identifying and correcting those. Final question for you. We, We obviously don't know the severity or any specific details about Devin Booker's injury, but can you explain the difference between a hamstring strain and a hamstring tear and what that means? Some people, I don't think, quite understand uh, the terminology there. Yeah, so um, they're one in the same. So a tear is actually a hamstring strain. Um, A strain is just kind of more the medical terminology behind it. And there are three classifications of, uh, of a tear or a strain. Um, you have a grade one, which is uh, just a pulling of the muscle fibers. A grade two is uh, considered more of a partial tear of those fibers. And then a grade three would be a complete tear of those fibers. Um, so tear and strain um, are one in the same. Okay, so it's about those those grading the severity of it more than what and those other term, terms are are interchangeable. Good to know. Well, he is yep. a, a Dr. Adam Anacone of the University of Texas at Arlington. Adam, I am so uh, I appreciate you coming on and kind of explaining this for myself, for others. Uh, very valuable, and uh, I hope you and everybody uh, on your end of things are doing well. Greg, it was great to see you, and thanks for having me on again.